Section 5 of The Wound Dresser by Walt Whitman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Hospital Visits, Part 2. February 1864. I am down at Culpeper and Brandy Station among the camp of First, Second, and Third Corps and going through the division hospitals. The condition of the camps here this winter is immensely improved from last winter near Falmouth. All the army is now in huts of logs and mud, with fireplaces, and the food is plentiful and tolerably good. In the camp hospitals I find diarrhea more and more prevalent, and in chronic form. It is at present the great disease of the army. I think the doctors generally give too much medicine, often are making things worse. Then they hold on to the cases in camp too long. When the disease is almost fixed beyond remedy, they send it up to Washington. Alas, how many such wrecks have I seen landed from boat and railroad and deposited in the Washington hospitals? Mostly but to linger a while and die, after being kept at the front too long. The hospitals in front this winter are also much improved. The men have cots and often wooden floors, and the tents are well warmed. March and April 1864. Back again in Washington. They are breaking up the camp hospitals in Meade's army, preparing for a move. As I write this in March, there are all the signs. Yesterday and last night the sick were arriving here in long trains, all day and night. I was among the newcomers most of the night. One train of a thousand came into the depot, and others followed. The ambulances were going all night, distributing them to the various hospitals here. When they come in, some literally in a dying condition, you may well imagine it is a lamentable sight. I hardly know which is worse, to see the wounded after a battle, or these wasted wrecks. I remain in capital health and strength, and go every day as before among the men, in my own way, enjoying my life and occupation more than I can tell. Of the army hospitals now in and around Washington there are thirty or forty. I am in the habit of going to all, and to Fairfax Seminary, Alexandria, and over Long Bridge to the convalescent camp, etc. As a specimen of almost any one of these hospitals, fancy to yourself a space of three to twenty acres of ground on which are grouped ten or twelve very large wooden barracks with perhaps a dozen or twenty, and sometimes more than that number, of small buildings, capable altogether of accommodating from five hundred to a thousand or fifteen hundred persons. Sometimes these large wooden barracks or wards, each of them perhaps from a hundred to a hundred and fifty feet long, are arranged in a straight row evenly fronting the street. Others are planned so as to form an immense V, and others again arranged around a hollow square. They make altogether a huge cluster, with the additional tents, extra wards for contagious diseases, guard houses, sutler's stores, chaplain's house, etc. In the middle will probably be an edifice devoted to the offices of the surgeon in charge and the ward surgeons, principal attachés, clerks, etc. Then around this center radiate or are gathered the wards for the wounded and sick. These wards are either lettered alphabetically, Ward G, Ward K, or else numerically, 1, 2, 3, etc. Each has its ward surgeon and corps of nurses. 
Of course, there is, in the aggregate, quite a muster of employees, and over all the surgeon in charge. Any one of these hospitals is a little city in itself. Take, for instance, the Carver Hospital, out a couple of miles on a hill, northern part of 14th Street. It has more inmates than an ordinary country town. The same with the Lincoln Hospital, east of the capital, or the Finley Hospital on high grounds northeast of the city both large establishments. Armory Square Hospital under Dr. Bliss in 7th Street, one of the best anywhere, is also temporarily enlarged this summer with additional tents, sheds, etc. It must have nearly a hundred tents, wards, sheds, and structures of one kind and another. The worst cases are always to be found here. A wanderer like me about Washington pauses on some high land which commands the sweep of the city. One never tires of the noble and ample views presented here in the generally fine, soft, peculiar air and light, and has his eyes attracted by these white clusters of barracks in almost every direction. They make a great show in the landscape, and I often use them as landmarks. Some of these clusters are very full of inmates. Counting the whole with the convalescent camps, whose inmates are often worse off than the sick in the hospitals, they have numbered in this quarter and just down the Potomac as high as 50,000 invalid, disabled, or sick and dying men. My sketch has already filled up so much room that I shall have to omit any detailed account of the wounded of May and June 1864 from the battles of the Wilderness, Spotsylvania, etc., that would be a long history in itself. The arrivals, the numbers, and the severity of the wounds outviewed anything that we have seen before. For days and weeks a melancholy tide set in upon us. The weather was very hot. The wounded had been delayed in coming and much neglected. Very many of the wounds had worms in them, an unusual proportion mortified. It was among these that, for the first time in my life, I began to be prostrated with real sickness, and was, before the close of the summer, imperatively ordered north by the physician to recuperate and have an entire change of air. What I know of First Fredericksburg, Chancellorsville, Wilderness, etc., makes clear to me that there has been and is yet a total lack of science in elastic adaptation to the needs of the wounded after a battle. The hospitals are long afterward filled with proofs of this. I have seen many battles, their results, but never one where there was not during the first few days an unaccountable and almost total deficiency of everything for the wounded. Appropriate sustenance, nursing, cleaning, medicine, stores, etc. I do not say surgical attendance, because the surgeons cannot do more than human endurance permits. Whatever pleasant accounts there may be in the papers of the North, this is the actual fact. No thorough previous preparation, no system, no foresight, no genius. Always plenty of stores, no doubt, but always miles away, never where they are needed, and never the proper application. Of all harrowing experiences, none is greater than that of the days following a heavy battle. Scores, Hundreds of the noblest young men on earth, uncomplaining, lie helpless, mangled, faint, alone, and so bleed to death or die from exhaustion, either actually untouched at all, 
or with merely the laying of them down and leaving them, when there ought to be means provided to save them. The reader has doubtless inferred the fact that my visits among the wounded and sick have been as an independent missionary, in my own style, and not as an agent of any commission. Several noble women and men of Brooklyn, Boston, Salem, and Providence have voluntarily supplied funds at times. I only wish they could see a tithe of the actual work performed by their generous and benevolent assistants among the suffering men. He who goes among the soldiers with gifts, etc., must beware how he proceeds. It is much more of an art than one would imagine. They are not charity patients, but American young men of pride and independence. The spirit in which you treat them and bestow your donations is just as important as the gifts themselves, sometimes more so. Then there is continual discrimination necessary. Each case requires some peculiar adaptation to itself. It is very important to slight nobody, not a single case. Some hospital visitors, especially the women, pick out the handsomest-looking soldiers, or have a few for their pets. Of course, some will attract you more than others, and some will need more attention than others, but be careful not to ignore any patient. A word, a friendly turn of the eye or touch of the hand in passing, if nothing more. One hot day toward the middle of June, I gave the inmates of Carver Hospital a general ice-cream treat, purchasing a large quantity and going around personally through the wards to see to its distribution. Here is a characteristic scene in a ward. It is Sunday afternoon, middle of summer, 1864, hot and oppressive, and very silent through the ward. I am taking care of a critical case now lying in a half-lethargy. Near where I sit is a suffering rebel from the 8th Louisiana. His name is Irving. He has been here a long time, badly wounded, and lately had his leg amputated. It is not doing very well. Right opposite me is a sick soldier boy laid down with his clothes on, sleeping, looking much wasted, his pallid face on his arm. I see by the yellow trimming on his jacket that he is a cavalry boy. He looks so handsome as he sleeps, one must needs go nearer to him. I step softly over, and find by his card that he is named William Cone of the 1st Maine Cavalry, and his folks live in Skowhegan. Well, poor John Mahai is dead. He died yesterday. His was a painful and lingering case. I have been with him at times for the past fifteen months. He belonged to Company A, 101st New York, and was shot through the lower region of the abdomen at Second Bull Run, August 1862. One scene at his bedside will suffice for the agonies of nearly two years. The bladder had been perforated by a bullet going entirely through him. Not long since, I sat a good part of the morning by his bedside, Ward E, Armory Square, the water ran out of his eyes from the intense pain, and the muscles of his face were distorted, but he utters nothing except a low groan now and then. Hot, moist cloths were applied and relieved him somewhat. Poor Mahai, a mere boy in age, but old in misfortune. He never knew the love of parents, 
was placed in his infancy in one of the new york charitable institutions and subsequently bound out to a tyrannical master in sullivan county the scars of whose cowhide and club remained yet on his back his wound here was a most disagreeable one for he was a gentle cleanly and affectionate boy he found friends in his hospital life and indeed was a universal favorite he had quite a funeral ceremony through fourteenth street to the river and then over the long bridge and some three miles beyond is the huge collection called the convalescent camp it is a respectable-sized army in itself for these hospitals tents sheds etc at times contain from five to ten thousand men of course there are continual changes large squads are sent off to their regiments or elsewhere and new men received sometimes i found large numbers of paroled returned prisoners here during october november and december eighteen sixty four i have visited the military hospitals about new york city but have not room in this article to describe these visits i have lately been november twenty fifth in the central park hospital near one hundred and fourth street it seems to be a well-managed institution during september and previously went many times to the brooklyn city hospital in raymond street where i found taken in by contract a number of wounded and sick from the army most of the men were badly off and without a cent of money many wanting tobacco i supplied them and a few special cases with delicacies also repeatedly with letter paper stamps envelopes etc writing the addresses myself plainly a pleased crowd gathering around me as i directed for each one in turn this brooklyn hospital is a bad place for soldiers or anybody else cleanliness proper nursing watching etc are more deficient than in any hospital i know for dinner on sundays i invariably found nothing but rice and molasses the men all speak well of doctors yale and kissam for kindness patience etc and i think from what i saw there are also young medical men in its management otherwise this is the poorest hospital i have been in out of many hundreds among places apart from soldiers visited lately december seventh i must specially mention the great brooklyn general hospital and other public institutions at flatbush including the extensive lunatic asylum under charge of doctors chapin and reynolds of the latter and i presume i might include these county establishments generally i have deliberately to put on record about the profoundest satisfaction with professional capacity completeness of house arrangements to ends required and the right vital spirit animating all that i have yet found in any public curative institution among civilians in washington in camp and everywhere i was in the habit of reading to the men they were very fond of it and liked declamatory poetical pieces miles o'reilly's pieces were also great favorites i have had many happy evenings with the men we would gather in a large group by ourselves after supper and spend the time in such readings or in talking and occasionally by an amusing game called the game of twenty questions for nurses middle-aged women and mothers of families are best i am compelled to say young ladies however refined educated and benevolent do not succeed as army nurses though their motives are noble 
neither do the catholic nuns among these home-born american young men mothers full of motherly feeling and however illiterate but bringing reminiscences of home and with the magnetic touch of hands are the true women nurses many of the wounded are between fifteen and twenty years of age i should say that the government from my observation is always full of anxiety and liberality toward the sick and wounded the system in operation in the permanent hospitals is good and the money flows without stint but the details have to be left to hundreds and thousands of subordinates and officials among these laziness heartlessness gouging and incompetency are more or less prevalent still i consider the permanent hospitals generally well conducted a very large proportion of the wounded come up from the front without a cent of money in their pockets i soon discovered that it was about the best thing i could do to raise their spirits and show them that somebody cared for them and practically felt a fatherly or brotherly interest in them to give them small sums in such cases using tact and discretion about it a large majority of the wounds are in the arms and legs but there is every kind of wound in every part of the body i should say of the sick from my experience in the hospitals that the prevailing maladies are typhoid fever and the camp fevers generally diarrhoea catarrhal affections and bronchitis rheumatism and pneumonia these forms of sickness lead all the rest follow there are twice as many sick as there are wounded the deaths range from six to ten per cent of those under treatment i must bear my most emphatic testimony to the zeal manliness and professional spirit and capacity generally prevailing among the surgeons many of them young men in the hospitals in the army i will not say much about the exceptions for they are few but i have met some of those few and very foolish and airish they were i never cease to find the best young men and the hardest and most disinterested workers among these surgeons in the hospitals they are full of genius too i have seen many hundreds of them and this is my testimony during my two years in the hospitals and upon the field i have made over six hundred visits and have been as i estimate among from eighty thousand to one hundred thousand of the wounded and sick as sustainer of the spirit and body in some slight degree in their time of need these visits varied from an hour or two to all day or night for with dear or critical cases i watched all night sometimes i took up my quarters in the hospital and slept or watched there several nights in succession i may add that i am now just resuming my occupation in the hospitals and camps for the winter of eighteen sixty four to five and probably to continue the seasons ensuing to many of the wounded and sick especially the youngsters there is something in personal love caresses and the magnetic flood of sympathy and friendship that does in its way more good than all the medicine in the world i have spoken of my regular gifts of delicacies money tobacco special articles of food knick-knacks etc etc but i steadily found more and more that i could help and turn the balance in favor of cure by the means here alluded to in a curiously large proportion of cases the american soldier is full of affection and the yearning for affection 
and it comes wonderfully grateful to him to have this yearning gratified when he is laid up with painful wounds or illness far away from home among strangers many will think this merely sentimentalism but i know it is the most solid of facts i believe that even the moving around among the men or through the ward of a hearty healthy clean strong generous-souled person man or woman full of humanity and love sending out invisible constant currents thereof does immense good to the sick and wounded to those who might be interested in knowing it i must add in conclusion that i have tried to do justice to all the suffering that fell in my way while i have been with wounded and sick in thousands of cases from the new england states and from new york new jersey and pennsylvania and from michigan wisconsin indiana illinois and the western states i have been with more or less from all the states north and south without exception i have been with many from the border states especially from maryland and virginia and found far more union southerners than is supposed i have been with many rebel officers and men among our wounded and given them always what i had and tried to cheer them the same as any i have been among the army teamsters considerably and indeed always find myself drawn to them among the black soldiers wounded or sick and in the contraband camps i also took my way whenever in their neighborhood and i did what i could for them w w from the new york times december eleventh eighteen sixty four End of Hospital Visits, Part 2